Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Homecoming time. Bama killer coming back time. Maybe things will go better for football than basketball right now time. I have rude co-workers time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning out there, unless, of course, it's Thursday afternoon or, or Thursday evening or, or, or Thursday Thursday late night. Thursday, fourth meal time, Friday morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is, whatever you're doing, we're happy that you're spending part of it with us here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Not just me on this podcast, uh, from across town at the, uh, at, at the undisclosed location. It may be in Knox County. Uh, it may not be. It may be in the 865 area code. It may not be. Uh, it's somewhere, and Pat Brown is there. What's up, Pat? Not much, Wes, and I feel like right off the top, we should uh, send some congratulations uh, to our coworker Ron Callahan. Yes, we on should. On the birth, uh, he and his wife welcome uh, twins this week. Yes. A uh, little early, but it sounds like everything is going well so far, uh, which is great to hear. And uh, Ron will be uh, spending some time with his family over the next few days. Maybe they just heard that Ryan was going to be their father, so they were just in a super rush to get there into the world early so they could they could be uh, told they were wrong about everything. Yes, and, and the big the big news here in terms of our staff is that Ryan is now, uh, he, can, he can point to Grant and say scoreboard because he has, uh, of course, he, they have a two-year-old as well. So he's got three on the board and Wes, or excuse me, Grant, not you, uh, is stuck at two. Yeah, we have we have you, dog, and are, we, you and I are being shut out right now. So. We have we have dogs on the board, is what we have. We have dogs. On the board. <laughs> yes, and, and you have a bigger well, you have a bigger dog, so you have a. I guess you can point to the scoreboard. You have a bigger, older dog. I guess is how we can put it. Ron, Ron Swanson would not call your dog a dog. Well, your dog weighs less than fifty pounds. The Queen of England would call my dog a dog. So how about that royalty? Because she could because she could put it in her purse. That's true, and and maybe maybe um, maybe those dogs, unlike her grandson, won't leave the family. I don't know. Is that too soon? Too, <laughs> too soon. soon. Too, soon. too Has- soon. Hashtag too soon. Too soon. Anyway, guys, uh, big Tennessee football news right now. I know that signing day is coming up here in, in just a you know about a week or so. Actually, exactly a week from today, and we know signing day, early signing day is kind of the bigger deal now uh, in some ways but there's still some big fish on the board there but since ryan is not uh available right now something about i don't know childbirth or something i I forget it was something like that uh we'll have him back soon and and we'll have him give a full rundown of everything but but we can mention a couple recruiting things toward the end of this uh, podcast but uh there is a a big recruiter uh, who just joined tennessee staff and this is a name that people are going to 
be very familiar with. Former Tennessee star running back Jay Graham is coming back to Knoxville for his third stint with the program. Uh, He began his coaching career after he played in the NFL. He was a GA at Tennessee in 2005 before he went to Chattanooga in 2006, and I actually covered him there. Uh, So I guess we we both, uh, as Drake would say, started from the bottom. Uh, Tennessee, he came back. Then he goes to San Diego, UT Martin, uh, Miami of Ohio. Then he goes to South Carolina for a few years. And then, boom, pops up at Tennessee in 2012 uh, for the final year of the Derek Dooley experience. Uh, Then he decided that he was not going to work for Butch Jones, which I – can't really think anybody could blame him for. Uh, so he goes to Florida State for about five years. Then he goes to Texas A&M for a couple years to work for Jimbo. And now, boom, he is back uh, at Tennessee in 2020. And I, I assume he will coach Tennessee's running backs, Pat. Yeah, Wes, this is uh, a move that's sort of been or, or, or a guy that a lot of people immediately sort of pointed out um, uh, as a potential replacement for, for David Johnson when he left for, for Florida State earlier uh, this month. Uh, it seems like it was a long time ago. It's right after Tennessee's bowl game, but um, hadn't gotten the sense that Tennessee was in much of a hurry uh, to make a hire there. Um, and then, uh, as I kind of wondered aloud on on the checkerboard on on Saturday night, would Kevin Shear um, was was heading out the door to go uh, to the New York Giants? I wondered if having two staff vacancies might expedite things a little bit quicker uh, for Pruitt and for Tennessee. And uh, sure enough. You know, here we are a week before signing day and and and, and Graham is is on his way uh as of us recording this Tennessee has not made it official yet but um but yeah so uh, this is a guy that that's worked with Jeremy Pruitt before uh was at Florida State the year they won the national title Pruitt was a defensive coordinator uh Graham was the running backs coach um Graham stayed at Florida State with Jimbo Fisher then followed him to Texas A&M so uh, and, and, and Graham's also worked with uh, with Jim Chaney as well. So uh, when they were first at Tennessee, so um, there's some familiarity there with with him and the rest of the staff. And um, I, I don't know if he'll be the special teams coordinator. He's done that in the past at Florida State. Did a pretty good job there in that regard. Uh, a lot of places kind of split those duties up, but there's one coach that sort of oversees it, runs the show, runs the meetings with with all the different special teams units. So uh, we'll see if Graham ends up doing that. Um, but certainly as a running backs coach and a, and a guy that's you know proven he can recruit at a, at a high level both in the SEC uh, and the ACC and, and, in, and in, in this area of the country uh, and a guy with a lot of impressive running backs on his resume, this is a pretty good hire, I think, for Tennessee. And, and uh, add a bonus for fans is you get a guy that played here and a guy that a lot of fans remember from, as you sort of mentioned, <laughs> his own playing career when he had a couple of big runs against Alabama and some other uh, memorable plays. I should point out the Citrus Bowl. Uh, Ron, if I, I feel like if I don't point that out, people will get mad at me. So I'm going to point that out. Oh, when he had a bigger day than uh, than Eddie George after yes. George won the Heisman. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and, and I'll say this too: we know anyone who knows anything about the Texas A&M football program and that university right now knows that it has money coming out of its ears. Um, that they just that the, they have they're sitting on I guess it's the oil money, other things. They're just there's a ton of money down there. And, and so bottom line is Graham was making a pretty penny at A&M. And uh, as much as he may love his alma mater, this is a business and he is not coming to Tennessee without more money. And so Tennessee will be paying, uh, again, a, a, a pretty penny uh, for a position coach. And maybe you could say special teams coordinator, too. So technically a coordinator. Maybe he has some kind of a run game coordinator title or something like that. We'll we'll see how it's worked out. I think financially he's going to have to have a title to, to sort of justify that salary. 
So bottom line is, uh, again, Philip Fulmer has let Jeremy Pruitt go out and spend money, uh, and, and you can't really complain that Tennessee's being cheap anymore. Yeah, and if you want to get into the, the net cost of the sa- of, of the coaching salaries, I mean, Kevin Shearer was making, I think, 700000 uh, David Johnson was was at five hundred, and and Jake Graham was at five fifty at Texas A and M. So um, there, there's probably some room in the uh, in the budget to make that happen, just based on who you're uh, who who you've already lost, um, and, and and obviously who you're you're bringing in. So um, yeah, but this is you know this is this is obviously I, I think it's an important hire for Tennessee because I think they needed a proven recruiter and a guy that can develop some some running backs because I think Tennessee's got um, so, some potentially good running backs coming back next season. Um, and they need a guy that uh, this, this to be the third different coach in as many years for a couple of those guys for Ty Chandler and Tim Jordan. But um, certainly uh, this is a guy that, that, that Pruitt knows well. Um, you know, he's seen him uh, work uh, up close from the year they were at Florida State together. Uh, he's probably, I mean, I'm sure he's talked to, to Jimbo about him before too because Pruitt and Jimbo were, um, you know, have, have, have a relationship there too. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's a good move for Tennessee. And like you said, we'll have to see if he has what kind of titles he has, if he's a run game coordinator, cause obviously T Martin is, is passing game coordinator right now. Uh, and they're, you know, well, there's still, um, you know, the potential that there, there's an opening on the off on the defensive side that could affect the offensive side of the ball. We'll have to see, we'll probably discuss that here in a little bit. Um, but we'll have to see if they, you know, how, Al Pruitt wants to sort of set up the staff going into his third season. Uh, if he wants to keep Jim Chaney as sort of the CEO OC, or if he gives him a position, things like that. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think Graham is a natural fit for, uh, for Pruitt and, and for, for Tennessee. Um, and so this is, uh, I think an important move. And uh, I think if you're Tennessee, you're looking at it as a chance that, you know, you lost a, a guy that did a pretty good job for you in recruiting this past year and David Johnson, but, uh, you're bringing in a guy that's got a lot of experience, knows Tennessee, knows a lot of the areas around uh, where where the balls like to recruit, and uh, and has shown that he can get the job done both as a recruiter and as uh, as a position coach. Yeah, I'll say this: this has been you know kind of the second year in a row that that when you know people have kind of wondered if when when Pruitt lost a guy, like who would he be able to go replace him with? And what he's done is gone out and get a guy with a better resume. Uh, so I mean, I, I think at some point people are going to have to start kind of getting worried when coaches leave this staff because it's pretty clear right now that this guy is very connected in the coaching world and that he's a guy who knows people and he's going to be able to make good hires. It just, it seems to me like that, that should be, I know this is a, not the largest sample size still, it's only been a couple of years, but people should really probably stop worrying about this. Well, it's like you said, and something you've said too, in, in the in the past, Wes, is that if you, if, if people aren't coming for your, coaches your coaches suck that's not a good sign yeah i mean you, you want guys coming for your coaches and uh because it means they're doing a good job and so uh the new york giants came after kevin shear and he and he's he, he's gonna go to the nfl uh florida state and mike norvell came after david johnson because obviously there's connection there and and uh, johnson uh, you know did a pretty good job recruiting in memphis uh obviously has really strong ties in the new orleans area and louisiana um which is i think you know, I don't, I don't know how far that is from Tallahassee, but um, just down I-10 a ways. But, yeah, closer. Uh, yeah, so, you know, and, and Pruitt even talked about this uh, after a bowl practice down in Jacksonville. He's like, you know, it, it's kind of as much as in an ideal world, you'd like to keep the same staff together for however long. It's, it's, it's virtually impossible in this day and age of, of college football because not only are, 
you know, are there, it's kind of the silly season when there's coaching changes and people got to fill out staffs, both at the college level and at the NFL level. But there's also coaches, you know, they have uh, sort of their own, um, you know, they're looking to sort of build their own path and, and do what's best for them and their families. If they want to, you know, if they're a position coach, they probably want to be a coordinator. If they're a coordinator, they probably want to be a head coach one day. Pruitt says he likes those guys that uh, are sort of forward thinking like that. And, and he can kind of say that because that's sort of the, uh, the path that he's taken is sort of worked his way up from being a support staff guy to a position coach to a coordinator now to a head coach. So uh, he can appreciate when, you know, guys want to uh, leave for, for better opportunities, not necessarily better opportunities in terms of, you know, how much money they're making or what job title they have, but, you know, better situation for their family and um, and, and what they see uh, is, is best for, for them. So uh, I'm sure he doesn't want to have three to four, two to three to four, assistance to replace every off season. But, um, I, I think, like you said, I think he looks at it as a chance to say, okay, how can I go and, and maybe help us improve in this area? Or, or how can I go and make sure we don't lose anything? And he's got enough connections and knows enough people. And, um, as we've seen, uh, now, you know, I mean, I suppose you could hire Jay Graham on January the 5th, right after, um, uh, David Johnson left, but, uh, um, you know, he, he's going to be deliberate. He's going to take time. He's going to kind of go at his own pace and, and make the moves that he wants to make when he wants to make them. So um, that that's just sort of how we've seen Pruitt work. And, and if there's a guy that, that he knows out there that he thinks uh, will be a good addition and that he wants, he'll, you know, he's shown that he can make it happen. And, and Philip Fulmer and the administration have shown that they will support Pruitt enough to, uh, to make it happen uh, and get those guys on board. Yeah, Pruitt kind of works at that Luka Doncic pace. The whole uh... – you know, I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it at the pace I'm going to do it, and I'm still going to be pretty good at it. That that that, that kind of, you know, it reminds me like when you watch Luca play basketball, like he's never really moving that fast or never really seems rushed, but he just kind of always makes the right play. And I'm not saying Pruitt always makes the right play, but I think he more often than not makes the right one, and he's just not a guy who's going to be, you know, peer pressure is not really in his vocabulary. You know, he's not really a guy who's going to, really care that much what the outside world thinks. If people are telling him he has to do something, he's going to be like, well, why? Why do I have to do it this way? So I, I think he kind of he, he knew who he wanted. He went through the process. And I, and I think, as far as I can tell, purely for this running back's position, I think he got the guy he wanted. Uh, I think he got the guy that was at or near the very top of his board. So however long it took to make it happen, uh, he made it happen. And now, Pat, he's added a guy who – uh, you, you look at the the running backs he coached. I believe you've written about this this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you go down the list, and you know at A and M he coached Travion Williams. At Florida State he coached Dalvin Cook, Devontae Freeman, James Wilder, Carlos Williams, uh, and he was also the special teams coordinator when Aguayo was there. You know, just kind of being an all world kicker. Uh, when he was at South Carolina, uh, I believe he coached a fellow that a lot of SEC fans know named Marcus Lattimore. Uh, so yeah, he, he's been around some running backs and, and he's done some things with those bags. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, look at the guys he was with. I mean, Dalvin Cook, Marcus Lattimore, I think Wes, you could have been coaching those guys and they probably would have been pretty, yeah. pretty damn good. Freeman too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Too. You know, and, and he inherited some of those guys. I mean, he, he steps into a, uh, a backfield at Florida state that had Devonte Freeman that had James Wilder jr. That had, um, Carlos Williams, who went on to play in the NFL, although Williams had been, uh, he played defense the first two years. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was obviously a, a really good backfield that he inherited. He inherited a good situation there. But, you know, he helped South Carolina get Marcus Lattimore, and he had, 
you know, Steve Spurrier hired Jay Graham, and I think Jay Graham's coaching experience consisted of, uh, what was it, Chattanooga, UT Martin, San Diego. Yeah, he was at San Diego with Harbaugh. Ohio. So, um, you know, he, he hadn't been in a lot of big places, and he hadn't even been, you know, he was only, I think, four years removed from being a grad assistant at Tennessee. So, uh, and Steve Spurrier, hi- Steve Spurrier hired him. He helps them get Lattimore, who obviously was a huge part of that program success that they had when they won uh, 11 games, three straight years, made their only SEC championship game appearance. So, uh, you know, Graham gets, Graham gets some credit there for, for getting the guy to Columbia. So, um, you know, you look at Cook and you look at Freeman, you, you know, and, uh, you know, Travion Williams at Texas A&M had, you know, he'd been there two years. He'd been their leading rusher for two years, but uh, he, he obviously exploded his, uh, his junior season when, uh, which was Jay Graham's first season there, led the SEC in rushing. Really went from being sort of, uh, I don't want to say a, a guy that had to have a, another back with him. Um, but, you know, when, when Tennessee played there in, in 2016 and Williams was a freshman, he was sort of the change of pace guy. He was sort of the home run hitter, and they had a, yeah. sort of another guy that was a hammer. Um, but then by the end of his career, Graham had helped that guy come, you know, become a guy that was getting 21 carries a game. So he, he could handle the workload and, you know, sort of the beating and, and the wear and tear of a season in the SEC weekend and week out, putting up big numbers, a lot of 200 yard games, 100 yard games. Um, but I think there's other, there's some other situations that kind of show that, that, that Graham doesn't need a five star elite or a proven talent to, to get the job done. And, um, first one was this past season at, at Texas A&M when, uh, they lost Jay Sean Corbin early in the year. I think the second game, they had another guy, uh, have have a season-ending season ending injury. Uh, and Isaiah Spiller was a true freshman that, that Grant helped get there. He was a four-star recruit. Wasn't, I don't think he was I don't think he was an elite four-star, but I think he was maybe top 200. Uh, and he runs for almost 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, was on the all-SEC freshman team, uh, had, had a good season for them. Um, and that's, that's, that, that shows that Graham can get a guy that's a freshman ready to, to you know, play big minutes and to play a big role for an SEC team. Uh, and the other year was his year at Tennessee when, um, in 2012, everybody remembers, you know, Tyler Bray, Cordell Patterson, Justin Hunter, Michael Rivera, all those guys. Um, but Tennessee was a lot better of a, ru- of a rushing team that season, too, than they were the year before. They had, looking up the numbers, they went from 90 yards rushing per game in, in 2011 to, uh, I think, 160 uh, in 2012. And that was despite, you know, their first, second, and third options being throw the ball over the place with, with Cheney. So uh, Marlon, Neal, uh, Marlon Lane, Rajon Neal. Both had productive years that year with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a guy that's shown that he can produce uh, and he can generate and and coach up guys to be productive running backs in a lot of different situations. And uh, most coaches will tell you that the easiest way to, to make yourself look good as a coach is to get really, really good players, and then they kind of do the rest and make you look good. Um, but to me, quality coaches not only can do that, not only can recruit the you know the elite talents to to get you know to make the plays uh, on Saturdays, but they can get guys to to play up to their ranking or to play up, you know, past their, their billing or what, or what have you. So uh, I think Graham has, has enough on his resume to show that he can, uh, he can do both. And I, I think if you're Tennessee's running backs, you should be pretty excited about what, what you're going to get in this guy. I know, um, and Tennessee fans should be excited about what he could potentially do with, with Eric Gray, a guy that looks like he could be, uh, developing into a potential star, um, after the way he finished this past season. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of reasons. If you look at what Graham has done in his coaching career, um, and to be excited about what he could could bring to this backfield. Yeah, and, and I think there's there's this is again, and this is the main point before we go to break here, guys. I think that 
I've mentioned this already, but I, I think when this guy loses a coach, he's usually going to be able to go get another one. I think that's the biggest takeaway I have from this is that um, this was a guy, Jay Graham, that could have gone to a lot of places. Uh, this is a guy who had been with Jimbo Fisher for a long time, honestly. And it's not like they got a bad situation down there at, at A&M, you know. I mean, they're, they're doing fine down there during that rebuild. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a situation that, that, that you have to be pretty pleased that Tennessee was able to go get this done. And now we're going to see what Tennessee does a little bit with that other uh, vacancy, at least one more vacancy that is still on the staff. But before we talk about that, we're going to step away for a break. Going to get to some products, services, in-house ads all those other fun things, and then we'll be back in just a second to talk a little bit more Tennessee football. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not... Uh, spiritually, morally, ethically, contractually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. But we appreciate the people who do that. That helps us at CBS Sports. That helps us at 24-7 Sports. Helps us at GoBall 24-7. And who knows, it might even help you. Uh, because we don't know what those products and services are right now. Eventually, we'll probably be doing our own ad reads and all that stuff. But right now, um, we're just kind of letting the mothership handle it. And, and Pat, um, I, I don't know what that product or service was. We, we just heard a second ago, but I bet it was really great, right? Yeah, and I got to be honest. I'm looking forward to when we can read our own <coughs> ads. Yeah, there, there's... Because I think we can, have some, we can have some fun with it. Yeah, and, and then we'll be making mistakes and say, ah, screw it, leave it in. You know, that's fine. Yeah, that's going to that, that's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to whenever we get all that organized and start doing that. But, Pat, back to Tennessee football. Uh, we spoke in the first segment about the vacancy that Tennessee has filled. I suppose now we should talk about the vacancy that Tennessee has not filled to this point. And, and that is a, a departure that we had sort of hinted at that was possible for a while. Um, I'm not going to say that we broke it because we didn't, but we hinted that it was possible for a while. And that was Kevin Shearer. Uh, going to the New York football giants of the National Football League. I think we can all agree that Shearer was a guy who uh, did a pretty solid job at Tennessee. Um, he kind of got usurped there for the for the D.C. title after that first year, and he really kind of handled it like a pro. Uh, I think he handled it like a consummate professional. Uh, but when, when something like that happens and Ansley's still not going anywhere – well, I think the writing's kind of on the wall that if you're a guy who wants to uh, take your career forward, you may have to go somewhere else to do it. Uh, so he is going on to the National Football League. And, and what does that mean, Pat? Uh, well, it, it means that one of 
Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's more trusted lieutenants is, is on his way out. Um, and, and like you mentioned, uh, this has been on, on our radar. I don't, I don't think we ever hinted at it publicly, but uh, we, we knew that Shearer had uh, spoken with the Giants. I think the Giants spoke with just about, I don't want to say everybody, but Golly, they, if, uh, if, they cast a wide net. Yeah, if you've coached college football uh, in the past 30 years, the Giants talked to you. Yeah, I mean, they, they cast a wide net, um, and, and I, I don't know. I guess there are there limitations on staff size in the NFL. I don't know. It seems like they've got about 20-something coaches, and I, I still haven't even hired a defensive line coach. So I wonder what, what SEC former assistant or current assistant or current head coach or former head coach are they going to go for, for that job. Uh, they've already hired Brett Bielema, Derek Dooley, Shear, uh, a couple guys that worked at Bama um, in the past, and that, that's where – and, and that's where Joe Judge, and who, who's the new Giants coach, that's where he crossed paths with yep. um, Kevin Shearer was back in 2010, 2011. Um, I think Judge was the special teams assistant or special teams coach, and, and Shearer was, um, had actually just replaced Jeremy Pruitt as the director of player development down there. So um, that's where that connection was. Um, so we knew that this was a potential possibility. Um, after the Giants talked to a lot of people, they started giving out offers and getting guys on board. And so... Um, that's when that, that's kind of how this particular move came about it is, I don't want to say it's odd, but this is, you know, Shearer was a guy that had known Jeremy Pruitt for a long time. They went back to their days, uh, playing at Alabama, uh, they were teammates there. They worked together at Hoover. Um, I think, I think Shearer, you know, succeeded Pruitt in a couple different job, Hoover defensive coordinator, yeah. uh, the Alabama sports staff position I mentioned. So, uh, worked at Georgia was retained there, um, you know, in the transition from Mark Rick to Kirby Smart had worked with Pruitt at Georgia. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. And, and, and I do think it's fair to wonder if, you know, Sher was the defensive coordinator in title, uh, in 2018 when Pruitt called the plays and Pruitt brings in Derek Hansley, uh, shared, I thought, you know, Tennessee publicly insisted it was not a demotion and that they trusted Sher to do a great job with special teams, which they did. Tennessee was pretty good on special teams this past season. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, a lot, a lot of programs split those diff, you know, split those duties up between a few different guys. But there's always one guy that's sort of running the show there, and I think Shear did a good job. Yeah, he did uh, doing that, uh, and deserves credit for that. But um, yeah, I, I think it's you know, maybe he saw that, that this is a different opportunity to help his career better. And and I uh, and I always wonder with with guys that go from college to the NFL, the NFL coaching in the NFL is so much different than coaching in college because of the recruiting aspect. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, I don't know that Sherrod grown tired of recruiting. I, I haven't talked to him. I don't know that to be a fact, but uh, that's always sort of in my mind when when you see moves like this. Is that some of these guys just, you know, maybe don't want to, you know, recruit as, you know, don't want to have to be on the phone and talking to high school kids. And you see your wife, you see your wife and family as, more when you coach in the NFL. Yeah, you 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 know, it, it's still a, a grind of a job. It's not, you know, you're not getting a bunch of time. You know, it's not like you're working fifty percent less or whatever, but. Um, the, the time constraints and are, are different. So I, I always wonder if when you see moves like this, if, if that's not part of the reason, but, uh, that's just my thought there. I, like I said, I haven't talked to Shear. I don't know, uh, what, what his, uh, what his reasoning for this move wa- uh, was, but, uh, leaves Tennessee with a spot to fill on defense. And, um, like I said, I, I wonder if having two staff vacancies this close to signing day, maybe, uh, or this close you know, during a, a contact period when coaches can be on the road. And, and uh, obviously the recruiting calendar has changed so much because now you're not, you know, you're only focused on a handful of guys in the 2020 class. You're doing a lot of groundwork and, and a lot of continuing of recruiting for 2021 20, guys. 
Um, and so, you know, do you, you probably wanted to get a full-time assistant, uh, for your staff moving forward to get, you know, to make the most of those, of those days that you have. So I think that, I think if I'm sort of wondering if Shears departure sort of expedited them getting Jay Graham on board. So they only have one vacancy, but, um, yeah, that leaves Tennessee with a spot to fill in defense. And, uh, obviously we'll have to see what, what direction Pruitt decides to go there. Yeah. Before I say what I'm about to say, can you imagine, uh, an NFL franchise kind of talking to Pruitt about a job and he's like, you mean I can't recruit? I don't want that job. You know, I mean, it's just kind of in his blood. That's kind of who he is. But, uh, you, you know, I, I think that with Shear, listen, uh, it's difficult to be in a situation like the one he was in. Uh, that That is, um, I think he and Tennessee handled that about as well as it could be handled. Uh, they insisted it wasn't a demotion, but – you look at it on paper. I mean, what other argument can you make? But uh, you know, Pruitt tried to kind of spin it forward. He's like, "Hey, if you're uh, a special teams coach, you get to coach just about everybody on the team, pretty much, except for the quarterbacks." You know, uh, I guess some of them are holders still, so you still get to coach almost just about everybody on the team. And it also helps you if you want to be a head coach one day. That puts another tool in your toolbox. So you know that that's something that you can sell as a positive, um, but that's a kind of a tough situation. And I don't think Pruitt would have done that for just anybody. I, I think because Ansley became available, that's what he had to do to kind of make the staff work. Uh, and again, I'll say this, these guys are paid good money, so I'm not going to sit there and call them heroes or anything like that. But the way Shearer handled that publicly, uh, and as far as I can tell privately, was, was nothing short of first class. So I think he deserves credit for that. But one thing I think is interesting, Pat, is that we think this will be uh, maybe a, a situation where this leads to him hiring another defensive coach. I don't know that for certain, um, you know, because they do have guys like Niedermeyer who maybe could move around a little bit. There's some flexibility within that staff. And also, we don't know if there's a couple other guys who might end up going also, who maybe after signing day. You know, I, I still think there might be some movement there. Uh, so I think it's easy to say that Tennessee's kind of in the market for an inside linebackers coach, but I don't know that that's the case, or, or do we know that? Well, they need somebody to coach that position, so yes, well, that's <laughs> they true. are technically well, okay. in the market for okay, one. Okay, there you go. That's true. That's a good point. And, and I, I thought Shear uh, did a good job with, with Tennessee's inside linebackers um, both his seasons that, that he was here. Um, now, where you get an inside linebackers coach, that that's where – I think that's I think that's kind of the point you were you were you were making. Correct, smart um, Alec. You smart Alec. Pruitt has talked up Brian Niedermeyer as a guy who can coach on both sides of the ball, multiple positions, gives him flexibility in situations like this. Um, Niedermeyer, before he was Tennessee's tight ends coach, was a graduate assistant for Jeremy Pruitt at Georgia and Alabama, working. I think Pruitt was with the linebacker. He might have been with the defensive backs, but um, clearly there's a trust level there that if Prue wanted to go that direction, he could make Brian Niedermeyer the uh, the linebackers coach and then hire an offensive coach or, you know, what have you. So um, is that what's, what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know that, that Prue has made up his mind there. Uh, as you said, there could be more movement. Um, we'll have to see what happens with Tracy Rocker. His contract actually expires on Friday. I don't imagine he'll stop working on Friday if that's the case because sometimes these guys don't necessarily have to have – uh, sign contracts to, to work. That's not really kind of how some of these deals uh, kind of happen with correct uh, with assistant coaches and, and whatnot. But um, is is Rocker, is he going to be back? Is he going to retire? Is he going to move into a different role? There's a lot of things that have 
you know, that could be on the table there. And we don't know at this point, uh, as I'm, as we're sitting here on Wednesday afternoon, what, what that, how that's going to go. Um, so if there's a defensive line coach position that Tennessee has to fill, how does that change for its approach to this? Um, <clears throat> you know, we'll have to wait and see. And, and Chris Winkie's the other guy that's, um, on an expiring contract, but kind of sounds like he'll be back. I haven't heard too much suggesting that he is yeah, got I've one not, foot out I, the door. I, I, I've not heard his name as one who's, you know, because you hear different rumors at different times about this guy could be out, yeah. that guy could be out. I, and every time I've asked about Winky, and, and again, that doesn't mean everybody's telling me the truth, but every time I've asked about Winky, I've heard, nah, he's fine. They, they want him back. So that's, that's all I've got. And obviously things can change. Somebody could come with an offer. There could be, you know, there's still some openings at other staffs uh, across the country, I think, both in college and in the NFL, that have some openings that, you know, could come after some Tennessee guys potentially. So um, I don't think the movement, obviously, it's sort of stating the obvious to say the movement's not done because Tennessee still has an open position to, to fill. But um, there could be potentially another spot for Tennessee to fill on the staff. And uh, I think Pruitt will maybe want to wait and see uh, what happens with that before he decides to do anything officially. And plus, I mean, it's a week before signing day. Um, and at this point, you don't see too much movement, you know, the week before signing day. Of course, we correct. We've seen some movement now with, with Tennessee hiring Jay Graham. So I just sort of contradicted myself, but um there's a chance that, that some of the stuff will get sorted out after National Signing Day. And that's something that Pruitt has said publicly before, too. Uh, I mentioned that earlier interview from Jacksonville when he's talked after practice. He said a lot of that stuff goes down after bowl games, after signing day. So um, there could be another round of movement, and, and there could be a round of, uh, you know, it could be movement elsewhere that impacts Tennessee. That's sort of just kind of how the the, car- the coaching carousel and, and the silly season, is, as it's called, that's just kind of sort of how it works. Yeah, it does, and I think we'll have a ton to follow there because, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sitting here telling you that there definitely will be more coaches leaving Tennessee staff because I don't know that. I just have a pretty strong feeling that will be the case, and I think it will be after signing day where that happens. You know, it's a, uh, it's funny because Pruitt kind of said the quiet part out loud. When he, when he talked about that, you know, a lot of times this stuff happens after signing day. You know, I mean, that everybody kind of knows that, but usually you don't say that. But, um, you know, Pruitt just kind of says what he wants, and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I, when in doubt, I, I'm a big fan of honesty. So, yeah, that's that, that's a good thing. But, yeah, yeah go ahead. And, we, and yeah, and, and we've seen moving after signing day before. I mean, Jay Graham, uh, you know, was retained by Tennessee and Butch Jones through signing day, and then I think it was late February before he left to go to Florida State, and then Tennessee hired Robert Gillespie. Uh, and then Gillespie was, you know, he was on, he was retained initially by Pruitt and was on the staff for a couple months, and then they decided to go uh, different ways, and Gillespie uh, was at North Carolina. I think he's still at North Carolina. I'm um, just thinking off the top of my head, but uh, I think we even saw it with, uh, you know, I think Butch Jones's last year. I think it wasn't until signing day that they made things official with Brady Hoke and, and uh, perfect offensive line coach, I think Walt Wells. So uh, a lot of those moves get finished up, you know, after signing day when everybody's signing on the, dot, on the dotted line and things like that. So um, could happen again. And, and, and we should point out in the scenario that uh, some people, we've gotten a lot of questions about it for sure in, this, in the scenario in which Brian Niedermeyer does get moved from tight ends coach to coaching linebackers that would open up an, an offensive spot and, and some people uh, have been asking us and some people think it might be Joe Osevet that gets that job Osevet's been on the road uh, recruiting for Tennessee um, this month 
since David Johnson left, obviously with, you know, there's staff limitations. You can have so many coaches that are able to go out on the road. He's been, uh, he was the, kind of the first guy they tabbed. And um, a lot of people have a lot of good things to say about him, both as a coach and sort of as a, as a hardworking grinder kind of guy. So um, I think Tennessee thinks highly of him. That's why they went out and, and hired him a couple of years ago. He was a junior college head coach up in New York. Um, so I think he's a guy that potentially could find a, his way in, into a, a full-time on-field role. Again, we'll have to wait and see kind of how, uh, how the dominoes fall with, with the, you know, with the staff and things like that. But uh, I think he's certainly a possibility to maybe end up uh, with a job on the staff. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but uh, I definitely think it's a possibility that, that maybe it, it can't be ruled out at this point uh, as we, as we're, as we're here today. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But Pat, there, you know, obviously a lot of the coaching stuff was the the most important stuff to discuss on here, but there were some other uh, interesting things of note uh, for Tennessee football this week. I think most interestingly, uh, the fact that the new top 24-7 rankings came out, self-plug, and um, uh, Tennessee had a lot of good news there. There was one, I don't even know if you want to call it bad news. I mean, you know, Bryson Eason, who, who's been a top 24-7 guy or top 247 guy for most of the process, he ends up falling just outside the top 247, but, you know, he's still a He's a, a 258. He's still a pretty highly ranked yeah, player. Yeah, he, he's still basically a top 247 guy, but there was a lot of movement in a different direction. You know, Tennessee had a couple of guys who weren't in the top 247 move into the top 247, and then it had a couple of guys who were really ranked around like the 1400 nationally who went up like a thousand spots so um i think um you know jeremy pruitt kind of kept saying not even really publicly so much but definitely would tell people that he liked a lot of guys on this in this class a lot more um, than the rankings or whatever said they were and coaches usually say those kind of things but i've never known pruitt to be a guy to just say something for no reason uh, and it seems like he was right because uh, as our evaluators were able to look at a little bit more film of some of these kind of off-the-beaten-path guys Tennessee signed, I think they, they kind of got their eyes open to what kind of prospects these are. Yeah, well, we should point out some of the movement within the top 247. The two big movers um, were, were Jalen High at the wide receiver out of, wide, uh, out of South Carolina, jumped all the way up to 113, yeah. almost 200 spots up from where he was. Uh, I know, was I talk, not in yeah, the top talk, 247 before yeah, talk, this update. Had a huge senior season. Um, great showing at the Shrine Bowl uh, back in December. Uh, looks like a potentially a really good player. Uh, and then Morvin Joseph was, I think, outside of the top. I think he was almost around 400. Mm-hmm. I think he was a fringe four-star potentially. Um, and he vaulted all the way up to 140. He also had a, a huge senior season uh, as an edge rusher. And, and obviously, he's a guy that uh, has a freakish look about him when you just you you, you just you you look at him. So and, and you watch his film. So. Uh, those are the two big movers um, in the within the top two four seven. There were a couple more guys that went up quite a bit. Obviously, Harrison Bailey. We get hey uh, hey yo. We get multiple page threads about him from time to time. So about shut it, people. Just shut it for a little bit. He moved up. Uh, he, he's up to number one hundred um, uh, in the twenty four seven rankings. Up seventy six spots. Um, I'm not don't know off the top of my head what his ranking is among pro style quarterbacks, but obviously he's one of the best quarterbacks in this class. Number three. The, number three. At number 100. Okay, thank you. Um, and then Jimmy Callow is another guy that moved up more than 50 spots from outside the top 200 to 145. So uh, Tennessee doesn't have a five-star in this class, at least at this point. Um, and they don't even um, – and their highest-rated guy was Keyshawn Lawrence, uh, and still is Keyshawn Lawrence, actually. He, he dropped 20-something spots um, as number 83. But Tennessee still has eight guys within the between 
Lawrence at 83 and then Callaway at 145. Um, now, if, if you were on, on the site this week and on, on the checkerboard, you are aware of this movement. Um, but as you mentioned, we haven't, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes where guys, uh, kind of, kind of track where guys were that are beyond the top two, four, seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you mentioned, a couple of those, uh, kind of, I don't want to say under the radar guys, but your, your ho-hum three-star guys made pretty big jumps. The Nico Slaughter, I think is now, um, I have this, I wrote all this down. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm checking yeah. it right now. Yeah. Uh, Slaughter I'm, moved up into the top 500. I think he went from an 84 rating to an 88 rating. So that's yep. a pretty big jump. Yeah. It's a huge jump. Be- because his Jimmy senior Hoff. film, because his senior film, I defy. I wrote this, Pat. I defy you to go find ten people and call in ten prospects in this class anywhere who had better senior season film than Slaughter did. I'm not talking about you know are they you know a, a better long term prospect or what are their NFL measurables or all that other stuff. I'm talking about go find me ten high school seniors last year who put better film than Slaughter out there and. I'll tip my cap to you because I don't think it exists because Slaughter was a one-man wrecking ball on his film. His film was one of the very best, I think, in this class. I think one of those guys might be Jimmy Holiday. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I watched his film, and, and he he is uh, he looks like high school Lamar Jackson running around out there. Uh, yep. He was playing some decent competition down in Mississippi. So uh, He's another guy that made a pretty big jump. I think he's uh, 583. Now, some of these numbers might be a little bit off. Uh, the way our system works is it makes all these changes, and it's sort of has to take time to sort of roll through them all. But um, he's a guy that moved up, again, went from 84 to an 88 rating, uh, jumped from in the in the thousands um, to in the side of the top 600. If you're one of the top 600 football players in the country, you're I think you're pretty good. A lot yes. of people think that all three stars are created equal. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that necessarily. So uh, he's a guy that uh, I'm interested to see what they do with him because I think there's a lot of potential. He's a, a guy that can take it to the house anytime he, he touches the ball. And the other guy was a guy – uh, a camp find and we've seen Tennessee staff do this before where they see guys in camp they love them uh they offer them uh, they get them enrolled uh maybe Spragans is is this year's Roman Harrison because he vaulted up from uh a couple hundred spots too he's in the top 400 now so he's he's almost probably one of the higher rated three stars that we have um at, at 380 overall went from an 87 rating to an 89 so yep. uh he's a guy that that Tennessee saw in camp and loved um, uh, it was back in the summer they got his commitment and then a commitment from Antonio Johnson, who was a top two four seven defensive back, and um, he ended up parting ways with Tennessee and wound up I think at Texas A and M. But um, I think Tennessee was uh, out of that duo. I think they probably wanted Spragans more. So he he's a a very large guard who looks like he can uh, with a little bit of seasoning and maybe some uh, a year in the weight room or two could be a a, a road grader in there that. Uh, as kind of the physical presence they want on the interior of the line. So, man, uh, I, I, I really like him and James Robinson both. Yeah, those are two big, big dudes who uh, are going to be moving a lot of people if you if you get them get their te- technique lined up right and, and get them knowing what they're doing. They they could be pretty powerful guys. But uh, all these changes were kind of taking a circuitous route to get here. But uh, all people really want to know is where's Tennessee's class ranked. Um, if, if you go by the composite ratings, I think Tennessee's up to 14th. Um, and if you go by just the 24 seven ratings up to 11th. So, uh, and if they finish with a couple of these guys, obviously Zach Evans is the, the big name that's out there. A lot of people are asking about neither Wes or I are, are, are going to be willing to give a prediction on what's going to happen with that one. That recruitment has been literally all over the place. Anything could happen between now and next week. Even the kids, uh, high school coaches would not give a prediction right now. 
that thing's all over the place for sure. Um, so that 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 could be that's shaping up to be another potential signing day drama. Even if he even does anything on signing day, because technically he doesn't, he can't really sign a letter of intent. So um, that that situation is is going to be just about impossible impossible to predict. Um, and then we'll have to see if they can get Demarcus Beckwith tight end, Malachi Wideman's the four star receiver. I think he moved up in the ratings. I think we had him at like in the around one thirty. Um, just going off the top of my head there, but. Um, uh, if they if they get those guys, then Tennessee potentially could get into the top ten, depending on what other teams do. Um, the teams right around Tennessee, and I'm looking at the uh, the team rankings based off the composite right now. Tennessee has 253 points, and Oklahoma in ninth at 259. So you're one or two guys away from being in the top ten potentially, depending on what uh, how some of these other teams finish in the next week or so. So. Um, Again, it sort of reinforced to me, just to sort of sum this all up, that this is a, another solid class for Tennessee, another class that has a lot of good pieces, a lot of good players, a lot of guys that the staff feels that they have good evaluations on and and they're guys that they think can, uh, that they can develop into SEC caliber players. Yeah, and I, I'll say this quickly before we step out of here. There, there were I wrote about this earlier on the on the site this week, and, and you can go find that at GoBoss247.com, which is uh, coincidentally the best place in the world for Tennessee athletics news, and, and that's that's science. Ron Burgundy would say that's science. Uh, but I did something earlier this week about the guys who, and again, I, I don't claim to be a recruiting analyst, so I can't sit there and look at you know, the top 3,000 players in the country and then try to rank them all. Maybe I could if that were my only job, but that's not what 24-7 sports pays me to do. But what I can do is I can look at the guys Tennessee's gotten and I can say, hey, I think this guy's pretty good. Or, hey, this guy's got a chance. Those skills can translate. And there were a handful of guys in this class that I wrote about that weren't like top 200 guys or anything like that, um, at least when I started writing the piece. But they really, really jumped out at me on film as saying, hey, um, I think these guys might be really good. Uh, Holiday was one of them, as we mentioned earlier. Jalen Hyatt, uh, by the way, who he needs to put on weight, but man, that kid has a ton of skill and he can fly. He can absolutely. There aren't many guys in the country, I think, faster than Holiday. I think Tennessee actually signed one of them in Hyatt. That kid is a is a freakish level. Of and, and Holiday has been timed at like a four three eight and a forty. Yeah, and you see that on film too. He's pulling away from guys and. And it's you know, just really shifty at the second and third level. And what's crazy is Hyde's been timed at the opening at four three one. So yeah, I mean that's just I mean when you're talking about almost electronically in the four twos, that's freakish, man. And I love both of those guys. They were on there. My boy Bryson Eason was on there. I was going to mention him because I just he dropped a couple spots in the rankings, but I don't care. That's a big, mean-looking inside linebacker who fits this defense well. I like him a lot. Uh, Morvin Joseph was another one uh, who is no longer really under the radar. I guess he kind of popped up into the top 200. So there goes that. Um, almost popped into the top 100. Uh, and then the guy at the end, uh, I almost mentioned Spragans, but I didn't. Uh, I mentioned Danico Slaughter because go, I'm telling you, go Got to. Got a great name, first of all. Yeah, it, it's if you believe in predestination, uh, he was born to be a football player. But And it would be a hell of a waste of a name if he wasn't good. That's here, a whole other podcast. We're yes. not getting into that. Oh, God, yes. Here, here's what you can do, guys. Go to, just go to Google and type in Danico Slaughter 24-7. Click on his profile. It's free. Watch that huddle video. It's free. Watch his senior season film. It is absolutely ridiculous. That kid had four defensive touchdowns, was a part of like a billion turnovers. He's sitting there getting pick sixes with a cast on one hand. Uh, this kid, I don't, he's listed at 5'11, 178. Uh, he might be six foot 185. He's somewhere in that range. 
I don't care. I don't care what his size is. I, I really don't. I don't care that he was timed at like four six five in the 40. I don't care. Go watch his film. That's a football player. That guy is lined up uh, at the nickel spot, kind of sometimes at safety. He's almost lined up as a rush end at times. And he all he does, he knows exactly where the ball's going, and he gets there, and he blows people up, and he intercepts the ball, and he forces fumbles. Just go watch his film. You, If you like watching film of like guys just blowing up dudes on the football field, go watch Nico Slaughter's film. There's a PSA for you. That kid uh, is really, really fun to watch on film. So go do that. Pat, before we step out of here, any, uh, any, any final thoughts, anything that I, uh, that I did not get to? No, I think we're good. You think we're Let's good? wrap it up. All right, well, then I'll go ahead and let you get out of here, man, and I'll play the music and get us out of here. Sounds good. Enjoyed it. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, excuse my voice here. Talking about that good football film just gets me emotional. No, I got a little bit of a cold or something. But thanks for listening. You can find all of us on Twitter, as always, on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want to, uh, you just want the facts, you just want Tennessee stuff, you don't want my corgi pictures and cub tweets and uniform tweets and whatever else I talk about, you don't want to hear Pat's uh, Ja Morant love fest. You don't want to hear Grant Ramey being the snide, all lowercase jerk uh, that he is. Uh, And you don't want Ryan Callahan doing whatever it is that he does when he's not working. You just want Tennessee news? You can go get that twitter.com slash govals247 or facebook.com slash govals247. Or if you want uh, the delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water right from the source, just delicious, unfiltered, like the like the East Tennessee version of Fiji water. You want to go you want to go do that? You go to govals247.com and if you pay us money, you get uh, in perpetuity as long as you pay us, as long as you pay us for a subscription full price, you get access to CBS All Access for free as long as you are paying us. That's a heck of a deal. You can get that new uh, Star Trek series, Picard, which uh, is only on CBS All Access. You can get that commercial free. You can get all CBS, uh, basically everything that's ever been in the CBS catalog. You get every show um, going back for forever. You get a commercial free. Uh, you get new movies uh, that go in there every month. You get live sports. Uh, you get SEC football, NCAA uh, football, you get uh, the NCAA tournament, you get UEFA Champions League uh, coming up here in a year or so, I believe. Uh, you get also um, NFL football, obviously. You get a lot of live NFL football stuff for free. You get World Series of Poker stuff uh, for free. Uh, and the only time you ever see a commercial is if you're watching something that happens to be live. So go do that. There is no reason not to go do that. You, that, that is us giving you $100 a year. Do, if I say, hey, I'm going to give you $100 every year and just put it in your pocket what would you say that's a great deal yeah that's what we're doing no strings attached just go do that and again before we step out of here congratulations ryan we are very happy for you and the missus and uh uh get your backside back to work because it's uh it's almost national sign day see you